With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm joined by Brian Degnan and Russell Boyce to talk back through what has been a hard-fought victory this evening in the Netherlands and uh, just where we're sitting here let's uh, have a wee hello from one of our long-time Axom contributors who's feeling a wee bit under the weather it's our very own Kevin Graham. Kevin did you just want to come in for a wee fist bump and enjoy the moment? Aye, thanks very much. We got away with that one, eh? But um, it was good. What I'll all say is, if we want to play like that at this level in Europe, we've got to buy better or develop better players. But hey, we're in the Europa League draw for the more, eh? That's it. And thanks everybody for asking for me. I'm away to sleep. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like Tom. I'm like Tom Rogic, man. I'm absolutely shafted. Hope nobody get, uh, hope, hope hope gets this, man. I really do. Get well soon. There's your uh, COVID sufferer, Kevin Graham, wearing the worst headset ever, uh, as if he's working in a call centre there, Boise boy. Listen, um, loads to discuss in that second half. First question I'm going to throw out to you guys. Did Alkmaar, is Ed Alkmaar tired after 60 minutes? Uh, 
<laughs> is that when Celtic started coming into the game? I'm not sure. Anyway, loads to discuss. First and foremost, Brian Degnan, talk us through that second half performance. Much better managed. I know what Kevin Graham's saying there, but I felt it was much better managed in the second half. Yeah, well, the biggest difference was, and you had mentioned at half time, it was the midfield. When we changed the midfield, that changed the game. When Christie dropped in and we started getting a bit more aggression and a bit more possession in the midfield, uh, it took the pressure off the defenders. It calmed things down a bit and it started um, being able to pick out passes to the front men. Got to give a wee shout out to Colin because I did slate him at the start of the show. Um, he did make a good call of Edward and he sold up ability because I thought when Eddie came on, he really, he really done pretty well. Um, I think he looked good, he looked strong. I think it added a good dimension. But, but for me, the big change was was in midfield. I say it was totally bypassed in the first half. It invited a lot of pressure. But then when Christie dropped in and replaced Roderick, you got a lot more energy. And uh, I think it made a big difference. Well, you know when Kevin Graham opens a show, and I know that he is lurking about in the background, he normally opens a scream of Celica with a, a wee lyric. And I'm going to do the same this evening. No one ever said it was going to be easy. And the lyric was sung by Marky Smith on the Inspiral Carpet song, I Want You. Russell Boyce, no one ever said it was going to be easy. We certainly did not find that easy. They were a decent side, though. They were a very good side. I mean, I think there was, you know, plenty of warning signs from the first leg as well. To be fair, yeah, I'll give you your due. I thought they maybe did slightly <laughs> ease off after 60 minutes. But I don't know if it was them Tyron or Tom Rogic coming off for us, our player of the season so far. <laughs> so either way, the game's a bogey for me tonight, Paul, you know. Um, but I you know I thought, I thought, you know, oh, we managed it better in the second half. There was still a few moments where, you know, Scott Baines, you know what's in your mouth and all that. But it was definitely, it was, um, aye, it was it was better. I mean, at the end of the day, Ange gets pass marks for me because we got through the tie. We navigated what was, on paper, an extremely difficult tie. And we got through it. End of story. We scored in both legs, home and away. Um, I think it's just when you're playing against that level, I think Kev's touched on it there. I just felt that when you were looking at AZ, I think if they played more games this season, they might have they might look at Celtic as a bit the same way we look at Mitchelland and think, see in ten games time if we'd played Celtic home and away, they might feel a lot more confident. I actually think that you know the the attacking football they played, particularly first half, has suited them um down to the ground. And I think we just need I just I think we need experience at the back. I know I keep saying that, but I'm not trying to turn it into points I used to make and all that nonsense. I generally thought that's what we're crying out for the back, Martin Zindi. I actually thought, you know, they made clever fouls. Even once he was booked, he made clever fouls, broke up the play, never let us get momentum at any stage in the match. That could be key when you're going to be playing this. You know, you call it Ange Ball, I call it Mad Ball. It's, it's, you know, what you're watching is, it's bonkers, you know, but fair play to Ange. At the end of the day, he's got us through what is on paper... The hardest team we've played this season, 100%. We've scored home, we've scored away. We're into the group stages, hurrah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what kind of ball last year was. Maybe the burst ball, I think, was last year. <laughs> but we're talking about the, the, the game management. And this is the first thing I want to speak about. Um, three seconds into the second half, uh, we kick off and we've lost the ball. Three seconds into that second half. AZ, up until about the 60th minute, 
uh, I think they continued with their tempo. They never gave us an inch. And I think that when you're playing a team, and it's not going to happen too often domestically, but when you're playing a team that plays such a high press and at such a high intensity, you cannot pass the ball about the way we were passing the ball about at the back. There was one occasion where Stephen Welsh gets the ball and he knocks it back into our own box 12 yards out to Starfelt. Now, we already spoke about this at halftime. Starfelt, I don't think, looks that comfortable when faced with that kind of ball on his feet. I think he looks far more comfortable going for headers and winning tackles. But the ball comes to him 12 yards out. So we've got possession 12 yards out and he ends up losing possession. They get a shot and thankfully it never came to nothing. But that for me is a lesson. We've said before in adversity, you learn a lot more about football teams and I think we've learned that tonight, Brian. I mean, I think that comes to the personnel more than the the sort of the actual game itself because I think you know, Boyce made a good point there. If maybe that was a more experienced centre-half, he maybe would have made the decision just to lump it. Or made the decision to make a pass and no make that pass. It's kind of what we say about Joe Hart. It's having that experience of, yes, this is the system we play, this is the way we're going to play, but if you're under too much pressure, just it's, it's fine to just lump it. You can do that. You're allowed. So I think maybe um, an experienced head at the back might have made a different decision there. That being said, you know... We criticised the defence a lot, and, and rightly so, but they were under intense pressure. And to be fair, you know, Joe Hart came out a couple of saves. We, we sought out. We did. And, and, you know, I think Ange done the same as they done in the first leg. Towards the end, they sort of dropped a little bit deeper, contained a little bit more. So these defenders, I mean, Montgomery, I thought, was, was brilliant. I mean, come on. I thought he had a pretty really good Listen, Brian, I, I, I would give him a man of the match. I, I, I'd I, give him a man of the match tonight. Under the circumstances, Absolutely. I think he had a really, really strong game. And I think, yeah, we can we, we can see the decision-making wasn't great for the back. That's obvious. And then maybe experience would have helped that. By the end of the day, they, they did see it out. And they saw it out as a team. And as I say, I think, we, when we talk about the, the Ange ball or Mad ball or Bonkers ball, or whatever we're calling it, um, Thunderball, um, he, if we'd have sat in against Altmar, right, and said, right, let's shut up shop and try and sneak it, we still had the same amount of pressure, but we had no outball. So I don't know that it would have made too much of a difference if we'd have sat in or tried to attack. I think they were so relentless in that first half and we were so bypassed. I think we'd have, we'd have been absorbing so much pressure with our conceded anyway. I think at least we had an outball, especially it was the end of the second half, about the, as you say, probably the 60 minute mark. We did play a bit better. And I think that's where, you know, we can be critical about always trying to attack, but sometimes when you sit in too much, you're just inviting that sort of pressure anyway. It's like teams are going to play us in Scotland, like St Mirren tried to sit in against us and get absolutely scalped. If they try to attack us, they probably get scalped as well. Sometimes you're just up against a, a better team. And the fact was, I think, you know, Altmar comfortably, like by a good distance, the best team we've played this season. Mm-hmm. And I think Bosch made a good point, probably if they were 10 games in, it may have been a different result. But the fact is, We've come through that test with a paper-thin squad, with Angie and a couple of months. And if you'd have told us at the start of the season when Angie came in, we're going to try and bed in a new team, bed in this attacking football, and we're still going to qualify for the, the group stage, I think we'd have a bit of sand off. I don't think, no, see, see like the ways of football, like, not in a bad way, but I don't think there's like, it has to be all-out attack or it has to be camped in either. There's many ways to skin no. a cat. Yeah, and I, that, felt, that's what I think he did towards the right. end of it. I think he... 
towards the end, he sort of, you, you can right. see they all dropped just uh, What I'm saying though is, like, there was at one point, five minutes to go, McGregor gets the ball just inside his own, so just inside the centre circle, and he's trying to play a big, glorious through ball that was unlikely, to be, to be frank, to come off. But he's not really under pressure either at that point either. And I just feel at that point, are we learning, you know, quick enough on, you know, on the job almost? You know, you're looking at this, the way the match is going, the amount of time left, you know, what's at stake? And then again, another example of it where, I, again, I just feel needs must sometimes was there's a square ball played within our own box by Joe Hart from a goal kick to start mm. with. You've already highlighted ball is uncomfortable and looked to anyone watching kind of uncomfortable with getting these sort of passes. Yeah, again, I think it was in the last 10 minutes of the match. There's a square ball played, even later maybe than that, a square ball played from a goal kick inside our own box and we gave the ball away within two passes of trying to get out of that. And I, I just think... Your, your earlier point, there, Russell, though, about experience, like, I think, because you're spotting and with, with the Cal McGregor thing, he should have known to know make that pass. So I think... Supposed to have showed good game management for me because he changed a wee bit and tried to get it to sit back. He changed the formation slightly. He made subs at the right times. But it still goes down to the players to make these decisions, to know make those dangerous passes, to take the initiative, to say, right, I know we're trying to play out, but let's go safety first. So I, I, think, you're, I think you're right. I think Postacoglu sets up a certain way, but it still has to come down to the players, you know, to, to, to analyse the situation and know... This is this is a crazy pass to make. Let's just lump it and be safe. And I think that'll come over time. Because remember as well, this he's only been in charge a couple of months. It's going to take a bit of time. Well, that's the point that's coming in from Cam Relaxed Life, which was anything but the way that we felt in that second half. Outstanding result, given where we were just a few weeks ago. And if you were to look back at the post-match after the game and the defeat against Hearts at Tynecastle, um, we were at that stage following quite closely after the Midtjyllands um, shenanigans and also the West Ham game, which although it was a friendly, you know, they embarrassed us that day. And we spoke about the need for more players to be in at that stage. All these games down the line, um, we have qualified, you know, and uh, we've qualified against a a, a very good side, Um, Brian, like you say, a very good side. And I think that when we look back on that result, you know, tomorrow's going to be great when you find out who's in your group and everything else. When we look back on that result, I think we will realise, given the circumstances, um, just how pivotal that was. And again, even though we were under the cosh, because, I mean, they played such a high press and they've done it so, so well. They've got some right good players. Um, we came through it. So, again, that feeds into the momentum, Boise, that you were talking about, you know, at half time when, you know, you come through that having not been at your best, having had a couple of kind of poorer performances. And I want to talk about uh, Starfelt. And I'm not going to say Hart was a poor performance, but I've got a theory on that as well. Then surely that feeds into the momentum and the confidence going into this weekend's game as well, Russell? Totally. I mean, there was two sides to it. I mean, obviously, if we'd actually picked up a victory tonight, albeit we still went through the exact same as what we have tonight, getting through was the key. But if you get the victory, I think you go in with more swagger. What I felt, if I'm being completely honest, was I felt there was a couple of weaknesses exposed, maybe you know, before the event, I would have liked them to. I would have liked to have played the second leg against AZ next Thursday. And, and I went to Ibrox on Sunday before that. I thought there was a couple of things where 
you know, they'll be watching that and thinking they can be got at, you know, the 6 nils maybe they have been a bit daunting. And then they'll have seen the other side of Celtic tonight and thought, yes, they got through, fair enough. And the second half performance was an improvement. But I think definitely there was a few weaknesses exposed. You're talking about Joe Hart's performance. I, I mean, I thought there was a couple of good saves. You're saying you've got a theory on it. My theory on Hart would be his decision-making as to when to come out and when not to looks to be a bit flawed. We spoke about it at half-time that there's a couple of instances now where he looks like he's been hesitant. And then, of course, what does he do the second half? He obviously watches that song. He comes flying out to a ball that he had absolutely no mm-hmm. chance against. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, again, ended up sort of dashing about his box in an unnatural position. making you know, made a save at the edge of his six-yard box almost by the end of it with the side of his arm. And you're thinking, that was going for a ball you... you you know, realistically, was covered at the very at the very least. You know, by by centre half. So I couldn't really understand that. And then that makes you then, when you flip it, you look at the first goal and you go, "What on earth? Like, where was that urgency then?" So mm-hmm. uh, that was the the two sides to him. But you've got to say as well, a couple of the saves he made were outstanding. I think when yeah. you watch the highlights of that match back, you'll think Joe Hart had a better game than what perhaps that first goal. Kind of like plays in your mind, you know what I mean, and make you think. Well, that that was the thing that I always take from Alan Morrison, who does the stats, Celtic by numbers, um, is that you remember the moments rather than the entire performance. And it's only sometimes when you go back, you remove the emotion from it, Brian. You can watch a game with a fresh set of eyes and say, well, actually, performance-wise, over the the ninety odd minutes, you know. Pass marks and some. Um, Kakashi777 reminds us, come on, it was messy, but we weathered the storm. We certainly did. Um, in terms of my, my own theory on it, Russell, before I speak about Hart, I need to speak about Starfelt. I do have some concerns about him. Now, I know that actually in the last three minutes of the game, he made two um, commanding pieces of defensive um, clearance work play, whatever you want to call it. There was an interception, there was a header, and I thought he'd done really, really well with that. But see, if we're going to play this this game, and we are, because Ange has already said, oh, we'll play our game <laughs> going into this particular match, then Starfelt, for me, my concern is he doesn't actually suit that game, because a lot of that game is ball at the feet, ball in your own box, where you turn round, and what you're facing tonight, three or four red jerseys, pelting down on you, and you've got to be comfortable on that ball. You could see that they were reluctant to put their toe through it. You could see it a, a number of times that they're reluctant to put their toe through it because really, you know, if they're not playing that style of football, they've not got the ball in their own six-yard box and they're not panicking. So I think the instinctive defensive play that he plays, I think he does that well. He wins headers, he wins tackles, the interceptions. But when put under pressure, there was a moment, and it was picked up on in the commentary team, he gets the ball, under no pressure whatsoever, and he plays it 10 yards behind Welsh. He played it behind Welsh, which means Welsh is now facing his own goalkeeper and he's under pressure. And we eventually lost possession as a result of that. So that is a massive concern. I'm not convinced after eight games, I'm not convinced with Carl Starfelt, Brian. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, can I agree? I think he's a a strange egg, Carl Starfelt, because I feel like I've gazed two hours long he'd grow into it and that last hour of the game would be pretty good because he never seems to start any game well like he, he always looks really daunted until it gets to kind of half time or second half because even this game tonight he actually he, he did a pretty decent second half by all accounts whereas I thought he was he was pretty poor in the first half so I, 
I don't know if he's taking a bit of time to acclimatise to the system. I don't know if, you know, maybe it's just the way he's a player. I, I, I don't know, but you're right, because when he... He's a very... He's very extremes, because he looks lost and nervous with the ball, or he looks really commanding and aggressive. Mm-hmm. When tackles. So, jury's out on him for the moment. I, I think I'd said before when we were talking about him, there's not been a game yet where I've went full staff out on him. You know? But I've also no really thought he's been a bomb scare either, so... Again, I think he would benefit from having someone else there. I think that's why we need another centre half because, you know, maybe if he was out the team, he could get a bit of rest, refocus, retrain, come back in. That makes suit him better. I think there's a lot of pressure on him just now. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve done pretty well tonight. Um, first half aside with his, his mistake. Um, Ralston again was, you know, wasn't brilliant, but what he was doing was putting his body in the line. And he was really there you go, Braveheart. He was, he was charging at tackles, he was brave, he was strong. He was aggressive and I thought he showed a lot of character as well. So still those are positives. Um, although we lost the game tonight. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, well, good. And, and just to pick up with something boys say quickly, they're talking about if Rangers saw this game tonight, they'd see weaknesses. Well, if we saw the game earlier, I don't think we went to be scared of. You know they, they really struggled to score against 10 men and again a very poor 10 men whereas we've played a very very good side and come through it despite the pressure mm-hmm. uh, one or two legs beat them so there's two ways of looking at that I think, I think anyone could say to any team the way you get to Celtic is attack their full backs and try and do a high press on them but it's whether they're capable or not I don't think it's it's difficult to see where the weaknesses are but I think to execute them if we play our game I think it's, it's, it's hard to stop us that's the difference, Brian, isn't it? I mean, even if you know that that is what uh, AZ done well tonight, how many teams in Scotland can do that to Celtic? And that, that's the difference. And then obviously, when it comes to us breaking and us attacking, you've seen how um, good we've done that. Now, with regards to the comments, I'm going to dip in and out of the comments section. We've got Joe Millen uh, saying it was never in any doubt, which is why I hid in the kitchen for the last five minutes. Uh, absolutely. And uh, Toby... T1967, we dug that one out. I'll tell you what, we did that a couple of times with Brendan Rodgers in the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Champions League group stages or the Europa League group stages, that's where it gets to the nitty gritty where you're in there and there's some big names and, and that kind of thing. But you often have to look back and say, well, we scraped through. You know, and, and if we scrape through, great, because you just want to be in the, the promised land, don't you? And I understand I wasn't keeping an eye on the other results that were ongoing during that, but I think St. Johnson and Aberdeen both were knocked out, weren't they? 
So it's only Celtic and Rangers, both in the, the Europa League group stages, uh, going into the latter stages of Europe. And uh, Gary Murphy, seven, Starfelt, brutal first half, command in second half. Not the first time we've seen that either, Brian, so it's not a bad point. You know, he does seem to come, come into the game. Um, my biggest concern, I feel, is we're kind of holding off for Julien to get fit. You know, uh, now we've mentioned this before, Boise, and we've had a lot of people with a far better knowledge than me uh, on Irish football saying that, you know, Liam Scales is an excellent player. He can play centre half, he can play left back. But I just think that's not the type we're looking for. Now, this takes me into the, and I don't mean don't sign him, absolutely sign him. You know, he's got the potential. I'm saying he's a project sign because I don't think he's going to get thrown right into the first team. But I don't think Hart, going back to that point you made, Boyce, when he comes right out to the edge of his box to try and punch it, but it was never on and he was never going to win it. That's because yeah. he didn't believe. He didn't believe his centre-halves were going to actually clear that out. And that's a concern for me because that takes me into the realms of Joe Hart doing things that ordinarily, if he was confident with his centre-halves, he wouldn't do. Well, we spent £4 million on one defender, Carl Starfelt. We spent, I think, just two and a half on Juranovic, but that was only in the past week. The centre-back was obviously seen as a priority. There was a lot of expense on it. And yet the, the gut feeling is Starfelt doesn't look like someone who fits Angie's system. We could go back to the conversation we were having earlier. I think it was pre-match about transfer strategies and things like that because, you know, it's a big chunk of change to be thrown at a defender you don't actually think suits the style of football we play. And I've got to subscribe to it, Paul, because to be completely honest with you, every time the ball goes to Starfelt's feet, I'm actually, you know, concerned about what he's going to do with the ball. And in all the matches I've seen, this isn't just a one-off tonight, There's a, there was instances of it. I've seen numerous occasions where he's given the ball away, or he's played a pass that's put another defender under pressure, or he's just by, you know, by hooker, by crook, got a pass into the sort of domain of the player he's passing to, and the pace yeah. is off. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I mean? The accuracy is off. I, I just think he looks under pressure playing in this system. The system ain't going to change. So Carl Starfelt, now it is, I would like to have seen the £4 million spent on a centre-back that comes in very comfortable at playing Ange ball, if you want to call it that, you know? Because yeah. that, to me, would have made sense. With Julian then coming back in, Welsh is your backup or whatever, and then perhaps even still, you know, some of my experience as well to be to be there in the, in the mix. But I definitely think right now, Julian is going to need to, you know, be the guy who receives these sort of short goal kicks. There's going to be a huge onus on a guy that we're easing back from a horrible injury that he said he's been out for a long time. And I almost feel like unless we bring in yeah. another experienced centre-back before deadline day, which is only, what, three, four days away, then... I just think that the pressure on Julian's going to be ramped up. And I don't think that's really fair when a player's been out for the best part of 12 months. Mm, you're almost throwing them right in and expect them to play every game because I think when we think of Julian, we think he's a first-choice centre-half. And to this new style too. So yeah. he's not going to get a better in period either. That's the, that's the first side. It's just a bit, it's a bit... It's a bit much to put on him, I think. And if you had someone like... When we signed Colo Turi, right? It was blatantly obvious he was signed to qualify for the Champions League and then to be used sort of... I think he phased out the team really by Christmas time, wasn't he? The second half of the season barely featured, but it served its purpose. Do you know, it really did serve its purpose. And you can only imagine that he was having a huge influence behind the scenes, so much so he got given a coaching role once he retired. So obviously there's loads of benefits of having 
someone, a wise old head in there at the back. And I definitely think there is an argument for that right now. I know it won't be Gary Cahill. I know that. But there's other options out there. And it'd be nice to see one of them, expo- uh, one of them used. See, when we look at the, the success that we had, Brian, over the, the nine in a row uh, period, and you think of the centre-halves that we had, the partnerships, and we look back fondly on players like Van Dijk and Denier, for example. Um, I think Boyata, uh, you know, he had his moments as well, by the way, with the ball at his feet. But you, you look at Boyata, you know, he's, he's someone who's gone on and proved at a higher level, uh, at international level, just how good a player he is. I think that's something that's missing, but it's been missing for a wee while. Some people said that Julian and I had a decent enough partnership. But obviously that, that seemed to have been broken up somewhat with, with injury. And we, we basically are now looking for a new partnership. Is it going to be Starfelt and Julian? Is it going to be Julian and Welsh? Is it going to be Julian and A and other? It's still a conundrum for Ange to solve. Um, and I think tonight um, it is a slight concern, but I don't want it all to be concerning. Paul Brady comes in. Who would have predicted a couple of months ago we would have made Europa, Europa League qualification against a decent team like AZ or is it AZ? Uh, well done, Ange and the boys. Absolutely. Don't take away from the fact that this is a cracking result. I mean, I was screaming it full time there. Brilliant. Yeah. Great to be back into it to that level rather than deeply disappointed with the, the results that we were getting like last season. But we need to also talk about the fact that um, Greg Taylor he, he fell pretty badly. Look, pretty innocuous, he, f- he falls, he injures himself, tries to play on, it's almost as if it's dislocated. You could actually hear him saying it's gone again. You could hear him saying it um, on the sidelines. So there is a, a potential that Greg Taylor's going to be out for the, the game against Rangers on Sunday. Now, obviously, we brought in a new right back to cover that area. Now, Brian, it takes us to that dilemma that we spoke about. At the moment, it looks as though we're pretty well covered at left back until we get an injury, and the injury has happened. Now, for me, Montgomery was, was I thought, excellent under the circumstances. He's thrown in, he's going to be playing most of the game. When did Taylor go off? 20-odd minutes, I think it was, right? So uh, Montgomery comes in, I thought he'd he done really, really well. There's a player, there's a boy who's comfortable with the ball at his feet, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. So going into the Rangers game, um, in the past, there have been occasions where a young player who's been introduced into the team is thrown in against Rangers. Um, and it's a difficult one. You know, we've seen it last season with Stephen Welsh. He came through that. That was a bad performance by the team. Do you think that you've got enough confidence that uh, Montgomery will start against Rangers on Sunday? Because after tonight's performance, I'd be quite happy with that. See, even if he hadn't played tonight, if he didn't come on tonight, I would still think he would start because I think he's a better bet than Bon Goalie. And if we're honest, it's more of a necessity than desire. But I think he'll play. I think he'll acquit himself well. He's comfortable on the ball. He seems to work well in this sort of system. And he looks aggressive as well. You know, he's not scared to have a tackle. His positioning's good. I wouldn't have any fear, if I'm honest, playing him in. I, I think Greg Taylor gives you a bit more experience. Um, and obviously, he, he's a decent passer of the ball. He's not a great crosser. He's a good passer. Um, but I, I would have no hesitation putting Montgomery in. I think more than enough in the team, uh, around the rest of the team, they will have to worry. But it does highlight what we keep saying. And it's and it's no disrespect to Greg Taylor or Montgomery, but we need a left back. And like you, Paul, the boys' heels, like I, I've not seen much of them, a couple of YouTube clips, but unless he's head and shoulders better than Taylor, we shouldn't be signing him. Unless he's head and shoulders better, then um, 
still a fight or Welsh, he shouldn't be coming in the centre half either. We should only spend the money on people at the moment, in my opinion, getting bodies in that can be, that are better than what we have. And I'm no sure he is. So I still think even if he comes in, we need a, a, a left back. I just don't see the club when you've got Taylor, Scales, Montgomery, and Bolongoli sanctioning a move for another left back. I also don't know they're going to spend any money in a centre half. I think it'll be a loan deal probably. Mm. But like, like Russell said, actually, a loan deal for a, a kind of older head might not be the worst idea. You know, get them in for a season, they hit them steady the ship, and then, you know, they can go back to their, their club or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's actually the worst call. And then you can say that to the club as well and say, look, well, I know we've got a bunch of centre-halves, but, you know, we, we need someone in. So, but listen, just to sum up, I think we should be absolutely delighted tonight. I know the performance wasn't brilliant, but considering the strides we've taken, I mean, look at the start of the season, Paul, I think we had a chat and we said, Look at our back four. Using me the joke about it last year. We got into Champions League qualifiers. We're back four a Beaton, Welsh, Ralston, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been in impressive league form. Uh, we knocked Hearts out of the cup, got a bit of revenge against them. And we're 30 year old played good stage. And we've played good football. And we've got a manager that has got a vision and a philosophy and a determination that we've not had for a while. So I think it's very early days. And yeah, there's still things in the team that need to be fixed. But Imagine how it will be in four months I'm playing this way. Eight months or a year or two years. I think the future's bright, certainly no orange, uh, but the future's bright. I think there's uh, a lot of special times ahead and I think this is a brilliant result and I think we need to celebrate it and, and give credit where it's due. Yeah, and another thing I would say is, you know, we're talking about this time last year. This time last year we'd brought in a lot of players and we hadn't really seen any of them flourish. I mean, it took a wee while before Turnbull comes into the team and he shows what he can do. Now, I think that although we've had uh, some words to say about Starfelt, you can look upon the signings of Hart, Abada, Kyogo as being successes, you know. So that's another positive. We've brought in new players into the side, Boise, and they've actually hit the ground running and they've made a huge positive impact. Kyogo's goal tonight, we barely mentioned it. That, that you know, for me, that, that's such an important goal. And we look back on that goal, you know, and the pass from Abada first half, that was crucial and it'll be crucial to this season. I just want to give a big shout out to Sean Mayer, uh, watching from Australia, 6am. Good man, <laughs> Sean. And I hope you have enjoyed um, tonight. We do obviously talk about the positives and the negatives. We're all absolutely delighted that we managed to get the result. But before we go, uh, I think we want to also speak, uh, Russell, because we did talk about these two guys during the weekend before the game, Ryan Christie. And Michael McKernan now believes that Christie will stay. Another long-bursting performance by Ryan Christie. There was a moment, I think it was actually into the injury time, where he's chasing down a ball up at the right corner flag. Mm -hmm. The next time you see him, and I'm talking 30 seconds later, he's on the left-hand side winning a shy. I mean, the engine that Ryan Christie has, the dedication, the application, um, sometimes it goes a wee bit unnoticed. I mean, I'm uh, championing... Uh, Montgomery, but you could probably say if you were really to analyse Christie's performance tonight as well, Russell, he was one of the best performers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just in a rich being of form full stop. As you say, he can he could play 90 minutes if there was extra time. He'd had no hesitation. He would feature for the full half hour extra time if it had went that far. With regards to the new deal, I mean, it's, it's one of those points that we've exhausted. I think, you know, it's like the more he plays like this, the harder it's going to be for Celtic to let him go and have a good case for it. Do you know what I mean? Because fans, like we were speaking about earlier, we are very much 
your opinions are contrived by what you're watching on the pitch at that period, in that period of time. And right now, losing Christie looks like just an absolute no-no. Whereas at the start of the summer, if you sell Christie, come see, come sir. That's about what is mad. How does that happen? Do you know what I mean? So quickly. And yet it does feel like that. And I, I'm, I'm firmly on that that bus as well. I would get Ryan Christie signed up. And I think there was a point made, was it JP the Davison? Just do what you did with Stuart Armstrong. Clearly his head's turned slightly, but say extend it by 20 months, whatever it is, to the end of next season. But we'll sell you next summer, but at least build your stock up again. Get your profile back to where it should be for a player of your quality. Make an impact this year. Get us in the Champions League. And then you'll have another decision to make. But then, obviously, you know, come next summer, hopefully the suitors that are showing an interest in you are of Christie's interest, Pika's interest. And secondly, actually give us the, the sort of longer we think that we should be getting for a player of his ability because right now you're watching a valuation that's petering away to nothing. Um, you know the fine well. To me now, it makes more sense to keep him till January if it's, his contract ends in December or January, is it? January. It's bizarre. But I would say now it makes more sense for what he can bring to the, the, the table on the pitch to just keep him either way till then. And then obviously over that period of time, you can gauge whether he wants to stay, whether he doesn't. If he doesn't, use that time to find an adequate replacement. Not just someone we've thought of this summer, but someone we can actually sit down and take time to analyse and get the perfect replacement in for and then, you know, wish him well in January. Otherwise, of course, you've got the three, four months to keep nibbling at his ear, you know what I mean? <laughs> that affectionate, but you know what I mean? <laughs> You just keep making the things up and I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Stephen James, great to hear from you, Stephen. Hail, hail, guys. Good show. And we're reminded by <laughs> Snowman that the match actually started at quarter past four a.m. Oz time. Well, thank you, everybody who's in Australia tuning in. Are you tuning in to a Celtic state of mind? Just one wee point, and this is something that was uh, raised by Brian some time ago, and I, I like it. I like the way that he looks at this. If you are watching this show and you think we've been negative all day, I think you're focusing on the ne negatives yourself because we haven't been negative. Um, however, when you come through something like tonight, and by the way, we're on a wave of optimism and positivity uh, here at Axom, then you've got to also look because now is the time to then look at any deficiencies and get them sorted out. But what I do as well as we possibly can in the group stages, there were moments tonight that were really, really poor in terms of the defending. I mean, the two goals we conceded, just have a look at the two goals and ask yourself, were they well defended? Should we just ignore them? Absolutely no, no. on both counts. But there's plenty of positivity uh, tonight. I'm delighted. I'm looking forward to the draw tomorrow. We'll be back at 12.30 tomorrow. And if you haven't done so already, get subscribing on Axom on YouTube. There's a lot of great things happening. You know, we're actually, we've got a wee uh, list of awards on the right-hand side there. We won the Best Football Podcast in 2018. We were finalists in 2020, the best international, and we're up for another three. We're up for a treble, which means the Axon team will finally have that night out together, and it'll be <laughs> down in London, and we're taking bets on who will be getting thrown off the train, who will be getting thrown out the venue. Russell Boyce has got his own thoughts on that. Um, we'll all be on our best behaviour, and we're really looking forward to it. And Jungle Lion, for your information, um, has 
given us permission to use his Celtic man cave uh, for a live bulletin the next time we're in Ireland, so we will be paying him a visit. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us tomorrow and we'll find out who we've got in the group stages. Thank you for tuning in to our Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network at discount tire we know your time is valuable get 30 percent shorter average wait time when you buy and book online did you know discount tire now sells wiper blades check out our current deals at discounttire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today discount tire let's get you taken care of sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.